was not only the offerer, but he was the offering. He was not only the high priest, but he was the Lamb of God. And what did John the Baptist say when he saw him? He said, uh, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Happy to be back and to have you listening uh, to A Word of Grace. We are working our way through a discussion of redemption accomplished and applied, what it is that uh, God, through his Son, Jesus Christ, has provided for us uh, regarding salvation. And we've already had um, a good discussion last time on the obedience of Christ. And today, Derek, we want to talk about uh, Christ's work as sacrifice, that, that as Scripture talks about his work, uh, he is called a sacrifice for sin. He is, uh, he is actually sacrificed for sin on the cross. And uh, so we want to begin our discussion today by, by thinking about some of the Old Testament allusions to that. Where, where, where should we begin with that? I mean, what, what, how should we get started today? Well, the first thing I, I would like to say is that unless an individual is conversant in the Old Testament, they will not be able to understand or appreciate the sacrifice of Christ on the cross because, as I was saying to you before we got started, the Old Testament types are pregnant with meaning as it relates to what Christ actually did on the cross. So it would behoove every student of Scripture to study the Old Testament, even those difficult parts such as the book of Leviticus, because that's going to be very important. And we joke about Leviticus being the book where uh, Bible readings through the years, through the year goes to die. That, that's where everybody <laughs> kind of stops. Let's, let's backtrack to a word you just mentioned that uh, we want to get an understanding of, and maybe people listening don't, uh, we just passed over it. You said Old Testament types. Explain that for people that may not understand. What, what do we mean? You know, when we think of type, we think of a font or we think right. of typing on a computer. That's not what this is talking about. What is a type in the Bible? Well, basically, it is a copy. It is uh, something that prefigures or is a shadow of something that is to come. Uh, and an example would be Moses uh, when the uh, people uh, were in the camp and they had disobeyed the Lord and the Lord uh, had sent the fiery serpents and he told him to put uh, a serpent on the uh, pole uh, and if the people would look at that serpent, they would be healed. And that was a type. Christ is referred to as the antitype or the fulfillment of that type. Uh, and, and when he died on the cross, the scripture said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto myself. He was talking about being lifted up on the cross. So what we saw prefigured in the Old Testament through Moses, uh, we saw uh, become a reality in Christ on the cross. So you have the type in the Old Testament, which is a shadow, and then you have the antitype, which is Christ which is the substance of those uh, patterns of the Old Testament. It's good for Christians to understand what that means because then they see the Bible not as just a collection of disjointed stories, but as a picture. The entire 
you've said this before, and it's been helpful. In the Old Testament, Christ is concealed. In the New Testament, Christ is revealed. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing us to Jesus. One way I like to think about it is if you're standing in an alley and you see a shadow on on the ground, you're in the alley looking out towards the street and you see a shadow. The shadow is not the reality. The shadow is is a a type or it is it is a symbol of a reality that is behind it a, a figure that is actually walking and when the figure comes around the building then you see the reality you saw the shadow then you see the reality and and in in the bible we see a lot of shadows or types in the old right. testament one of my favorites is joseph if you know the story of joseph in the old testament there are so many uh types that point to christ uh hated by his brothers sold into slavery um then um, exalted to a position of honor, uh, saved the people, loved by his father. There's yes. so many different aspects of that. So what we want to talk about today is, again, to have an understanding of the New Testament idea of sacrifice, we have to have a little bit of understanding of the Old Testament idea of sacrifice. So why don't you begin, uh, start us off with a, just a just an overview or, or what, even what we were talking about earlier, the, the Old Testament sacrifices. Okay, and I'd also like to make a suggestion before I say that. Uh, in your reading, you should read the book of Leviticus, no matter how painful it is to you, in conjunction with the book, book of Hebrews. And there you will see perfectly the types in Leviticus and the antitypes or fulfillments in the book of Hebrews. But as it relates to these shadows and what they represent, uh, I can't help but think of two words that Christians should become acutely aware of, and that is expiation and propitiation. And going to the book of Leviticus, we think of the two goats that were uh, used on the Day of Atonement to where they would cast lot, lots to determine which one would be sent out into the wilderness and the one which would be slaughtered. And the one that was sent out, they would place their hand upon his head to identify with it, placing the sins of the people and sending those sins away. And of course, they'd slaughter the uh, other goat. Well, the goat that was being sent out, that represented expiation, meaning it removed the guilt and sin from the person that was offering it. And then propitiation uh, is associated with the wrath of God to where God's wrath had to be appeased. And his, uh, his wrath could only be appeased by the death of something. Yeah, the propitiation is so important. We're going to spend the whole next episode talking about that. And the Old Testament sacrifices... As you mentioned, first of all, people should not be afraid of theological terms. Um, in fact, understanding those for believers is helpful because you get a deep appreciation for what the work of Christ accomplished True. in your life. And for unbelievers, it, it, it gives a basic understanding of what it is that is needed. So let, let's talk about that expiation or, or the fact that, and we think about Old Testament sacrifices, they were expiatory. Correct. So... So the people would come, whether it was year by year, annually, regularly, often, frequently is the key thought here, bringing their sacrifice, lamb, sheep, goat, bull, to the priest to be offered for expiation. Yes. Simple, simple sentence, what does expiation mean? Expiation means to remove 
Guilt and sin. That's right. To remove our guilt or, right. or sin. Mm-hmm. Um, problem with the Old Testament, though. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was the problem regarding the removal uh, of guilt okay, and sin? Uh, it couldn't actually do it. Which is why they kept doing it. Doing it year after year, you, day after you, day. Like, you cannot, I mean, I, I don't try to be silly, but maybe a, a, a mental break here. You cannot completely, uh, well, you cannot fully once and for all expiate your kitchen floor. That's true. It's going to need to be cleaned again and again, <laughs> right? You can't, you do it every week. You get, well, we just mopped this floor. What are we doing it again for? Mm-hmm. But, again, that's, that's the failure of the shadow mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. The, the shortcomings, not the failure, that's, a, that's maybe too strong, the shortcomings right. or the weaknesses of the Old mm-hmm. Testament sacrifice. But a, but a deeper question is now, okay, so if expiation means to cover sin and guilt, or to, let's, let's put it, you said it even better, when you start to cover guilt, I'm kind of answering the question before I even ask it, <laughs> where's that guilt come from? That guilt comes from sin. Yeah, I answered the question. That, that was so easy. But yeah, it, it, the we're reading a book together, and I don't want to keep referencing that. But just most many of these thoughts are based on what we're reading, which the book is probably what eight bucks, ten bucks. Everybody'd be well to read it. Um, here's a statement from it: Sin involves a liability, a liability that arises from the holiness of God on one hand and the gravity of sin as the contradiction of that holiness on the other. Mm. I think we talked about this yeah. in a previous episode, uh, but we'd be well to mention it again. The, the guilt comes because God is holy, and we violated that. That's the truth. But the people who don't think a sacrifice is needed, or like we talked about last time, I'll do better, don't understand the nature of one or both of those things. Mm-hmm. To repeat, the mm-hmm. gravity of our sin or the greatness of God's holiness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The people minimize one or the other. Right. You know, and I think about the gravity of sin. If you think about the shadow again, in the Old Testament, the, the priests were constantly sacrificing, so they were knee-deep in blood <laughs> all the time, pointing to that bloody mess that would occur on the cross. And it's unfortunate that many teachers have begun to uh, sanitize the cross or even carve it out of Christianity. And in doing so, they take away the weight of sin. Uh, If we look at the cross and look at how bloody it was, we realize how much God hates sin. If we look in the Old Testament at the shadows and see all of the blood, we see how much God hates sin. Two verses that probably everybody is aware of, or if not, two verses that you should be, are Romans 3.23 and 6.23. Mm-hmm. First of all, all have sinned. That includes me and you and everyone. This isn't, a, this isn't a church or even a podcast where we are setting ourselves up as people who are somehow higher and holier than everyone else. We also stand guilty before God and in need of that removal of that guilt because we have sinned. We have failed God. And because he is holy, Romans 6.23, the wages of that sin or the ultimate outcome is death. And something must die to pay for sin, Mm -hmm. which is why they took those animals year by year. But the weakness of it was that it could not completely take away that sin. The sacrifice was God's provision 
so that the liability of our sin could be removed and the wrath could be assuaged, which is what propitiation is, right. but we're going to hold on that for right. till next time. But it was temporary. Um, the offering that was brought in the Old Testament took the sin of the offerer and covered it for a period of time. Right. And the work of Christ is an expiatory work. It is a, just to review the definition, is removes guilt, but it is far more transcendent than bulls and goats. How come? Absolutely, because, again, uh, the, the blood of bulls and goats had to be offered day after day, year after year, to where in Hebrews, and again, that's why I would suggest reading it, it says that Christ died once and for all. He would not repeat that sacrifice, and that is what is so heinous about uh, uh, not picking on anyone, but the the Roman Catholic tradition that believes in uh, these mass, that they are constantly sacrificing Christ on the cross again and again, when Christ only died one time, and it was enough. Hebrews 9, verse 12 says, He, that is Jesus, entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. 1 Peter 3.18 says, He died once for all, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us near to God. Uh, His sacrifice which again is only made possible by, go back to the last episode, only made possible uh, by his own obedience. Otherwise, he's got to sacrifice himself. He can't sacrifice himself for us. His obedience makes his sacrifice powerful, meaningful, or effective on our behalf. So this idea of Christ being the sacrifice for our sins is necessary to remove our guilt and to cover our sin but it's far greater than the shadow of the Old Testament sacrifice, which merely did that for a period of time. Right. And, and in doing so, uh, the shadows uh, did not necessarily appease God. As you said, there was the expiatory work of it, but the propitiation would come in Christ later, and we look at God the Father looking towards the cross, even as these things were going on in the Old Testament, because he knew ultimately what his son would do. And so then we understand that salvation is the same in both the Old and New Testament. It's just that in the Old Testament, the father was looking to the cross, and now he's looking back at the cross. Likewise, the same way with us. In the Old Testament, the, uh, even though they didn't have the knowledge that we had in terms of uh, the cross, but they knew a Messiah was coming, and they were looking ahead, but now we look back. So uh, Christ is the watershed moment of history. Yeah, P- uh, Stephen Lawson, I think others have said, people are saved the same way throughout all of history. They're saved in faith alone. Uh, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. And whether it was before the cross, the sacrifice is looking towards Christ, ultimate sacrifice, or as you just said, looking back. I mean, we want to be as clear as possible with anybody who's listening. You cannot come to God except through the Lord Jesus Christ, except through the sacrifice Amen. of his shed blood and his obedient life and death. You have no hope apart from Christ. Amen. The, 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 
I mean, we sing this song, Christ is our hope in life and death. There, there is, and in Christ alone, we sing these beautiful hymns here at church week by week to remind ourselves of these great truths. The, the bloody offerings of the sacrifice of the Old Testament are temporary, provisional, preparatory, partial. But Christ's sacrifice is permanent and real and final and complete. There, there is no other work to be done, which is why you just said the priests were always standing in blood, aprons mm-hmm. covered in blood. And Christ, when he offered himself once and for all, is now seated at the... Seated, not standing. Seated, his work is done. That's right. Seated at the right hand of God. Because having, God the Father is now satisfied. That's right. And, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that next time. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. One thing we, we want to mention is not only, you know, we think about the Old Testament picture and your family bringing an animal to the priest to be offered. So you bring a sacrifice or an offering, and the priest offers it to God. The difference in the New Testament is Christ is not only the offering, he's also the priest. Share a little bit with that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, It's interesting that you were going there because it just made me think of the unique nature of uh, the sacrifice of Christ, that he was not only the offerer, but he was the offering. He was not only the high priest, but he was the Lamb of God. And what did John the Baptist say when he saw him? He said, uh, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The difference we could say then, as far as the expiatory, expiatory work, the removal of guilt. The Old Testament did it temporarily. You just mentioned it. The Lamb of God who takes away mm-hmm. permanently the sins of the world. A priest, the priest's job is the go-between. He is the one who goes to God on behalf of man. And now Christ serves as that high priest. So again, make no mistake about this. 1 Timothy 2.5 says there is one God and one yeah. mediator between God and man. There's only, there's only one go-between. There is only one way to obtain access to the Father, and that is through the man, Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one Amen. comes unto the Father except through me. If you are attempting by means of your own personal sacrifice, right? People might say, well, yeah, it takes sacrifice to get into heaven. I've got to sacrifice what I want and do good deeds and give unto the poor and go to church. and All that will only secure for you a place in eternal hell. You must put your faith and trust in the work, the obedient work of Christ and the finished sacrifice that he made on the cross. And, And you have to ask the question, what sacrifice will God the Father accept? Only one. And that is the sacrifice of his son. Before we quit today, his work as a priest is ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he continues to intercede on our That's behalf. Right. What comfort does that give believers? Uh, it, it should give us all the comfort in the world because uh, we know ourselves. And if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we're going to fall short of the glory of God time and time again. But isn't it a blessing to know, as Hebrews 7 and 25 says, that he ever lives to maketh intercession for us. And I heard one teacher say it this way, if a dying Savior can save you, 
Isn't it a wonderful thing that a living Savior can keep you through his intercession? It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's not just, it's, it, the, it's wonderful to have the salvation that he provides, but to think of his ongoing care and intercessory work for us to carry on our salvation, to, uh, to, be, in, um, to be that constant go-between for us. What does Hebrews 4.15 says? We do not have a high priest that cannot right. sympathize with our weaknesses, but, but he was tempted in every way like us without sin. So today, if you're struggling or concerned or worried or needy or confused or lost or hopeless, not only do you have a hope of a Savior, but you also have the hope of a mediator, a go-between, yeah. someone who understands yeah. your, your life, your position, your sins. He's been in your shoes and in your place, and he cares. He cares. He ever, we sing that little chorus, he cares for you, he cares for you, he ever lives and cares for you. And let that be an encouragement uh, to you today. Thanks again for listening. We've enjoyed talking about it. Hope you've enjoyed listening. If you, if you want to connect with us, you can look at the description in the podcast. I, I'll leave the email and phone number in the description so I won't repeat it every time. But uh, keep in mind some of the things we shared today. Uh, Christ so wants to hear from you today. If you are an, if you are an unbeliever, we urge you, uh, as if we were in Christ's stead, Paul says, to be reconciled to God, to yeah. give your lives to him, to, to come to him in faith, to repent of your sin, and, and trust in him alone for your salvation. And if you do that, we would love to hear that you did. We would love to have you come be a part of our church and learn and grow with us. And if you're a believer today, we hope you'll find encouragement in the things that we discussed. And we look forward to talking to you next time.